Lead the way. Lead the way. I'll be there in a wee second. Oh, careful. 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 He knows. He knows. Fucking boys, man. Man, that's it. That's it. Oh. Football club, sponsored by Just Employment Law. Please choose one of the following options. Do you dare? Do you dare? Press one. For the club shop, press two. For the match day hospitality. Go. Be bold. Hello. You have reached the voicemail of Patrick Thistle Football Club. Please leave a message after the tone. Go left. Push him in there! Beepoos! No! Welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a once again weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me today to look ahead to the League Cup group and the season ahead are Jamie McDonald. Jamie, how are you? You well? Uh, yeah, it's good to be back. I can't wait to get the competitive football back in person. It's been a long, long time, 16 months. Last game is against Dunfermline, this game is against Dunfermline and yeah, just buzzed to be back. Rhys Aldane's also here. Rhys, how are you? Do you have a good summer? Yeah, I had a relatively good summer getting to go places that we hadn't been in a while and then just really looking forward to it. Great to be back on the pod, great to be back at games and hopefully in another exciting season being a Jags fan. Fingers crossed and rounding off our panel is David Forrest. David, how are you? Hello, I'm good. Yeah, um, excited. Good stuff. Um, we'll start by just having a wee look back at the friendlies we've, we've taken part in. I think between the four of us on today, we've, we've been at all of them. Um, some have been all three, some have just been at one or two, but we'll just go in chronological order. So Kelty was the first game back, and Reese, I'll come to you first on the, the Kelty game because I know you were there. What did you make of it? How good was it back to being a football ground? Yeah, as you say, it was it was great to just be back in a ground. It was kind of felt surreal almost, like just it was a strange feeling having to like scan scan your phone to get into the ground and all that, and your name would pop up to see if you were on the. The register of to get in the ground and stuff. It was, it was just a weird experience. But great to see faces that you hadn't seen in what was it, sixteen months. So it was good to be back. Keltley and East Cobride, they're both east they're both sides that there are a few divisions below us, but don't be fooled, they're decent outfits. They could certainly compete at a higher level. As for the Kelty game, when I seen the team lineup at kickoff, I had concerns about how we were going to link the midfield and attack because for me, Connor Murray is never a winger. All his success for Thistle has came when he's playing behind the striker. I thought Kyle Turner was different David that day. The guy was just everywhere. He doesn't stop running about. 
And those are the type of players that you just hate to play against, and even more so when they have the technical ability to match it, which Turner obviously does. He has it in abundance, as shown with his goal on the day. As for the rest of the game, it was it was a competitive game. Good to get a game like that in pre-season. Kelty obviously had the chances, played well enough, and it's good to get a victory, regardless if it's pre-season or not. Certainly was. David, you were at the, the East Bride game, so do you want to talk us through what you thought of that on the pitch? Yeah, so I thought that um, East Bride game, I thought we played really quite well. I mean, there was a recurring theme with all these friendlies in that we bodied a lot of youngsters um, in, in the second half. So by the end of the second half, we were, I think there was maybe three or four players who were over 19. But I would say I thought that they worked really well defensively. They they managed to keep the heat and do the task well. And Mason McCready, I thought, was a standout for me. Like I, I absolutely loved sitting sitting behind him, watching him come to, go, come to balls and make physical saves. He was absolutely not afraid to go in for a in for a ball that sometimes you know could have came off worse or made a mistake. He was and he was there and he was confident. Despite the fact he's only what. 17-18, something like that. I thought he looked fantastic. He was my standout. And um, of course, um, Gospel Acholi as well. His sideways goal uh, was, for, was for quite a quite a good angle to win it at the death. Was fantastic. But I thought we I thought we played really uh, really well in the first half. And in the second half, when we sort of blooded in the new guys and the youngsters, I thought they they done their job very well. And I couldn't have asked for anything more from them. So no, I thought they were great and. It's always good seeing a wee trialist. Um, can't beat seeing a trialist and then having the guessing game of Reese or Mark or whoever trying to figure out who it is. It's, it's some thrill. It was it was absolutely brilliant at, up at Kelty when I think Mark had worked out who the trialist. I don't. I'd probably been told, but Mark sprinted to us and told us who the trialist was at half past two or half past one, half an hour before kick off. Anyway, he knew he'd, he'd clocked it. Jamie, your first game back was the Rangers friendly, I believe. What were what were your takeaways from that game? I was really impressed by how we played. Obviously, it was just great to get back in for how after so so long away from it, uh, a long way from the football anyway. It's been too long, man. Sixteen months is way way too long without seeing them. But as anyway, back to the game. I did like what I saw from the team. I was impressed with them. They looked like playing as a proper team again. Some good passing movements. I thought the ball retention was very good. Didn't look too threatening in the first half. I know it was a weaker Rangers team, but there were still some strong players in there. I mean, as a player who was a Premier League striker until about four years ago, something like that. So, I, I was just impressed with the team overall. But the defence did well, stood up to the threat the Rangers posed, managed to nullify them pretty well. Had a couple of good balls into the box, a couple of chances. Teff looked good in the wing, looked creative like he always does. Shame not to see Kyle Turner through the middle. I know I think he was out because of COVID or something, in isolation. I know I think he would have suited that game well, good passing movement. Uh, the second half, obviously, the Rangers brought on basically their first team. A lot of big name players came on, like you know Tavernier and Aribo and stuff. They came on, so obviously they made a difference for them. But again, I thought we nullified them pretty well. We didn't have too many big chances. They had the post. They had a very suspicious penalty, which definitely did not look like a penalty. And they scored a scrappy goal to win the game. But overall, I was pleased with how we played. And the young players who came on looked good. I thought Gospel Charlie looked exciting down down the right. I don't know if he was playing as a striker on the winger. He was kind of pushed out a little bit onto the right, but. Yeah, I was impressed with him. He definitely looks like he has a ton of pace about him. He just looks like an exciting young talent. And I, I was impressed with the team. The one thing I spotted in, in the friendlies I was at, I was at the Kelty game and the, the Rangers game. Obviously, the the slightly reduced crowd plays a part in this, but 
there's so many new players in the team and it's noticeable to me how much more vocal we are and it's I think it's due to adding a few senior pros. Obviously, this was the first time we saw guys like Foster, Bell and Docker in the, in the flesh uh, and not just in a stream and you heard how vocal those guys were. We've seen Graham in the flesh a few times, we know all about him, but they were really talking the rest of the team through the game and I think when Ian McCall came into the club, he said one of the first things he wanted to do was get the right people on board and I think He's done that. We've got a squad full of players now who are the right sort of characters. They're seasoned pros with a good mix of the youngsters David mentioned coming through. And I think you had the, the sort of good performances we've seen on top of that. And things do look promising. I'll just come round you again for general thoughts on on the friendlies um, from for many of you that you've not spoken about so far. Yeah, I just thought like most of the East Coast game because we had a lot of young players playing. Like you kind of look at the team sheet and you're a bit disappointed because like in the past when youth players come through at Thistle, they're like they're 19, they play a game or two, you don't hear about them again. But for this game, it was there was boys that were 15 and who they played pretty well. So you're thinking in eight years' time they're still regarded like they could still win a young player of the year award in eight years' time. That's mental. But with the game, it wasn't the greatest game, but like it was impressive to see those young guys like fit in almost seamlessly, as David said. Big Mason McCready was so commanding in goal, came one a lot of his crosses. Thought the young right right back uh, Matt Doherty, he looked really assured on the ball, had great deliveries from set pieces. Uh, and Gospel Acholi, that was a funny one because I'd i seen him enough by this point to think it never really impressed me. And he holds onto the ball a bit too long, and I'd still never seen him make a pass. And then he goes up and scores that great goal, excellent finish. Another, as Jamie said, another good cameo against Rangers. So I've now convinced myself that he's a world beater and he's the future of our club. As for Billy Owens against East Kilbride, I thought he was exceptional. He totally controlled that game, ran the show from start to finish. Every pass he made was so technically astute and he was unlucky not to score that free kick. He looks like the type of player that you just love watching. I know it's a bit premature to say something like this, but like it just reminded me like Billy Gilmore. Like see the way he takes the ball. And then moves into space and like tries to like, always he's always shown for the ball. Like you love that, love to see that from a young player. So it's it's looking really promising for the future. And like as I said before, it's like we've got a really young squad. You've got the likes of Tiffany, Turner, Rudden, McIver, and then the potential young guys that we've got coming in on loan that's been mentioned. Like it's looking good for the future. And it wasn't too long ago we had guys like Gary Harkins. We we're giving guys like that eighteen month deals at thirty four year old. So I'm looking forward to it now. Before we move on, um, I just we've had a fan question from VBL. Um, he's got in touch and he said, genuinely, is there anyone still not quite there for going back to games? Um, I'm double jagged, but does the reopening seem hasty to anyone else? I, I would say to that, I, I do think like the reopening of society in general is quite hasty. But at Farhill the other night, especially at Farhill compared to Kelty, I would say, I don't think I could have felt safer. We were outside. We were well spaced out. There was no gathering in the concourse. I'd say over half of the crowd had masks on. It was... I, I, I felt totally safe. I can understand it at places like Kelty where there's not so much um, structure to the, the stadium and fans are just wandering about. But even then, you you are outside. Um, I don't know if anyone else wants to come in on that. I, I, I should say, also say as well, it's, it's a completely personal thing but I don't know if any of you guys want to come in on that yeah I mean I was I was pretty hard line for a long long time about going back to football games so I was like no I won't go back with it uh, until I feel like it's 
per, you know, it's all right. I, I didn't go to the canal or anything like that. Um, I didn't even like go because I, I go to any old shite football game, not necessarily just football, but anything. I used to go all the time with so many games, and uh, but I wouldn't go and you know there'd be teams that be playing down the road from me or whatever, and I could easily just went and watched it in the park or whatever. And I didn't because I thought I wanted to keep it for when I could actually go and it was allowed or whatever. Um, it's 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 one of those natural things where yeah, when when it opens up, you're going to be a bit concerned about it, and there is always going to be that concern. I would say. My my friend kind of made a very very good point of um, when the pubs opened and they and they lived in the West End and they were like and I was like you know a bit intimidated. Is it well not really because your natural your your natural defence sort of instinct kicks in. So if you go into a pub that's pure rammed, you immediately just go, oh no, I'm going to leave it and just go out. Uh, so you, you're you you stop yourself from if you get into a sort of situation where you you think it is dangerous, you, you, your instinct is to back yourself out of it. Um, so I think that a wee, a wee bit of common sense with it and just thinking about it, you know, just keeping space from other people and stuff like that, you're okay. Um, and at, at for how like we're all um, yeah we're we're all uh, spaced out quite considerably. I would certainly say for how over say like Kelly or East Kilbride. You, again, you couldn't feel safer. It was um, staggered times. It was very regimented, and they've done a lot to make sure that they, they've got all the compliance down and that they are basically to get as many people as they can in. And they're doing as much to kind of prove, going, look, we've done this, 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 and this, and we can have more people because we're ready for it. So I would certainly say, going back to Farhill, absolutely not. I think you, you'd be absolutely fine going to Farhill. I can understand going to like an East Coast ride or something like that and maybe thinking, mm. but then again, your own your own instincts kick in and you, you, you'll keep your own space if you're a bit worried or whatever. I wouldn't worry too much about it myself. Yeah, I, th- I think you can definitely tell the difference in the, the seated stadiums with designated seats. But I, as we said, it's a completely personal, personal thing. But... I think the club did a great job of making everyone feel safe the other night. Um, Jamie, I'll come to you first on our, our signings. We've made a good few. Um, we've brought a few players back to the club. Stephen Bell, Scott Tiffany and Ross McKeever, who were all on loan, have come back. Kevin Holt and Kyle Turner have signed deals as well. What have you made of the business so far, Jamie? Yeah, I've been happy with the business so far. I've not seen any signing that I thought oh, I wouldn't have made that. I mean... Obviously, getting Tiff back was, I'd say, the best signing in the summer. Very closely followed by Kyle Turner, but Tiff was such an influence last season. You know, he came in and really unlocked McCall Ball because I think he was the missing link last season. And having him from the start of the season, hopefully, can he continue his run of form? He was obviously in very, very good form as the season ended. Had eight goals. I can't quite remember the number of assists. I think it was something like four. But he's just a fantastic player to watch, and I, I really enjoyed him. I worked at the club, so I'm delighted we got him back. McKeever, I'm happy to have him back as well. I think he's definitely someone who is a great option to have off the bench behind. I mean, I think he will be behind Rodden and Graham realistically, but I think he's a great player to have an option off the bench. And you know, I, I pray it doesn't happen, but we know how injury-prone Rodden can be, so having McKeever as a backup, certainly uh, not no bad thing. And obviously there's the possibility of isolation this season as well from COVID. Players have to go out for a week or two, so again, he's a great option to have in the squad. Paul, uh, I've not done a huge amount about him, and I have seen him play over the years, but not for a few years. So obviously, I'll, I'll give him time to see what I think of him. I thought he looked all right against Rangers, but it's only a preseason friendly. It's hard, hard to 
judge. I mean, Angus' positioning was a little bit dodgy at times, but again, preseason friendly. So I'll, I'll wait for the cup games to uh, judge him properly. Bell, again, I'm happy we brought him back. He was a complete rock at the back alongside Brownlee, who I know we'll talk about more later. But um, yeah, I'm happy to bring Bell back. I thought he was good, good player. Voice at the back, probably a good head to have around the changing room as well for some of the younger players coming through. I imagine for someone like Senna, having Bell around is a good influence to have on him. And uh, Kyle Turner, what, what a signing that is. I think that's a real coup from us getting him in. He's just a player who I highly rate, and I know he was highly rated by other teams. I think Dunfermline fans did say if it hadn't been for the kind of, I don't know quite how it happened, but some disagreement over a contract or something, that he'd probably still be at them. And I'm very glad we got him in. He looks like a real creative force to have in the team. And yeah, I'm just very happy with our business so far. I know there'll probably be a couple more signings to come in through the door, maybe another three, four at a push, but. Yeah, I'm very happy with our business so far. Reese, I'll come to you with our our next listener question while we're on Kyle Turner. Um, DLF1876 has asked, when was the last time we had as big a queue as Kyle Turner? And he suggested, was it Liam Buchanan? Um, I'll come to you with that one, Reese. Um, as you said, it is a, is a massive queue to get Kyle Turner in the door with the likes of teams that were after him. Hearts, Hamilton all showed an interest. And obviously came as I think, McCall sat down with his dad and, and managed to convince him to come back to Thistle because I, I know we let him go in his younger years so great to get a player back like that um, in terms of best coup we've had since Buchanan is a good shout I, I really loved Buchanan at Thistle I thought he was a great player just try to think of other ones you look at like, like say Scott McDonald I know he was basically retired when we signed him but it was great to get a guy like that in at your club um, it's hard to pick another one Probably say Buchanan's just about it because he was a real hot prospect when we signed him. I think it was from Cowden Beef at the time because he was banging the goals in there at a fair rate. So, aye, it's a good shout, Buchanan. Anyone else get any suggestions for that question? Uh, uh, I mean, obviously, I know he wasn't as well known at the time, but the season he came in, I don't think we'd have stayed up without Callum Higginbotham. So, I definitely would put him alongside a big one of the biggest coups we brought in. I I'd, I'd probably say Higgy, uh, possibly Lyle Taylor. I can't remember what he was like before us, but um, but yeah, like, I'd probably say like in terms of a player, sort of at the level he is now, I think getting Lyle Taylor in was probably quite a coup. But um, yeah, like, I, I think Liam Buchanan's a shout. Um, I, I don't I don't know if uh, Scott McDonald again you could count it again because he was retired at the time, and even though he is kind of a level above. It was a great signing, but uh, yeah, probably, I'd probably say Higgy or Buchanan, to be honest. My next question was going to be where do we still need to strengthen? Um, just before I ask that, I'm going to ask about Darren Brownlee. Obviously, there's been a bit of chat that he's suffered a serious knee injury. There's been no confirmation of that yet. So I'm, I'm guessing when I ask where do we need to strengthen, you'll all say centre-back. But how big a loss uh, would Darren Brownlee be if he is out long term? David, I'll come to you on that one first. I mean, uh, Brownlee was an absolute rock last season. I think it was the only game he didn't play him in Shrews game. Is that the only one he didn't play? Um, there might be one or two other ones, but he was there time in, time out, no matter who was with him. Uh, so he was with Senna at first and then with Bell, and he worked so well with both of them um, that he, he, has, he has a big loss. But I think as well, we do have you know, the backup of... Where Bell 
and Senna there and Senna makes three good centre-backs who I think can do really good things to ourselves. Obviously, O'Ware is always an if, you know, if he can if he can keep fitness, I think he can slot in there and do a, do a great job and fill the, fill the gap that Brownlee's there. But again, you've also got Senna there as well who can play in there and has shown himself at the start of last season to be great in that position. But you, you do kind of wonder how the dynamic with Senna would be uh, with Bell. I think maybe with Bell more so than O'Ware. I think uh, like Senna and Bell could probably work really well because, again, Senna kind of fed off of instruction from like, McCall and stuff like that and Brownlee like, playing him for the game as well as like, Foster and that. So I'm not as concerned as I would have been, say, maybe last season or whatever. I think we, we do have options there, um, but it is a big loss. I think... Kieran McKenna is another option. I know he played midfield the other night, but he's definitely played a lot of games in his career in a back four, whether it be right back or centre back. Now, I don't think any fans or Ian McCall would have any problem putting him back there because I think he made his debut there next to Darren Brownlee against St Mirren last season. And I thought he was very impressive. So he's another option. The only thing I would say, maybe the defence is looking a little bit slow. Um, I thought Tamil was actually really good on Monday night against Rangers, but again, Jamie said it's hard to judge on friendlies. He's maybe lost a wee bit of the pace he's had, which is understandable with, obviously, he's had two or three pretty serious injuries now. And if you're playing away or next to, to Bell, you, you are a wee bit short in pace. So maybe if we were bringing another defender in, it would be a quick one. But I think I agree with you, David. I think we've got three or four options. And Ian McCall said, Kevin Holt can even cover in there. So we are looking okay back there. So, Jamie, I'll come to you on other positions across the team where you feel we might need to bring some more bodies in. I mean, kind of leading off the injury, I mean, it looks like Shea Gordon's got an injury now as well. So we may have to bring in another midfielder. I'm not sure if we will or not. I don't know how serious it is, but he was kind of out in a moon boot at the Rangers game. So... Obviously, that doesn't look good. Yeah, I saw him after the game. I only managed to speak to him for about five seconds, but he said some, he's done something to his ankle. That's all he said. But hopefully, that's nothing too long term. But we obviously don't know. He might have to wait for a scan result. Areas need to strengthen. I think we need another winger. Obviously, I know we've been looking at Kai Kennedy from Rangers. I'd definitely take him. He looks like a very good player. Only seen him play a handful of times on the Friday night games on TV, but I was very impressed with what I saw. I remember one game in particular I watched when he was at Inverness against um, Queen of the South, I think it was, and they won 3-0 and he was just on fire that night, scored a great goal, was involved in nearly everything good about them. So, And he seems to be highly rated by Inverness and Wraith fans, so I'd happily, happily have him in. Uh, areas we need to strengthen, I'd probably say probably one more striker. I wouldn't be against, I don't think we absolutely need it, but I wouldn't be against us bringing in another striker. Probably... Now maybe another centre back. I mean, I don't. We're not short for covering centre backs. We've got Senna, McKenna, Aware, Bell, as you said earlier, Matt Hope can cover there. So I wouldn't say we're too short for cover there. But who knows? It might depend how long Brownlee really is out for. If it's only maybe like something like three months, they might not go for it. If it's much longer, like six, seven months, then I'm pretty sure we probably will bring another centre back. Uh, I don't think there's too much else we really need to add to the team. I know a couple of people have said a number 10. I can maybe see that happening, but I think Turner will probably fill in there. But with Shea Gordon being out, who's probably one of our goal-scoring midfielders, that could end up happening. I don't know. I'm not I don't, don't convince that trialist that we had the other night. We'll play or we'll sign a deal. I mean, I barely touched the ball, I thought. 
So I'm not sure yet, but we'll have to wait and see who we bring in. But as I said, winger, striker, maybe another centre-back. Possibly even a full-back for cover because we only have two right now. But McKenna can play there as well. So I'd say priorities are a winger and a striker, possibly a centre-back. Reese, um, well, I've seen I've seen a number that we're linked with, and I've seen people saying all day that we've offered a deal to Graham Dorans because he's came back from Australia early. And it's one of the ones like he's a good player, and he'd likely get a start in our team. And our, our midfield's stacked as it is. You've got Doherty, Bannigan, Turner, and as James said, Gordon. But if the budget's there and you can offer him a deal, then fair enough, I go for it. Good enough player. And you need you need a squad in this day and age. Um, other positions, as, as Jamie said, a winger. I think a winger's a must. Kai Kennedy would be a great signing, but I, I, I almost think Kennedy's like a 10. I know he can play in the wing, but I think 10's his position. I'd love us to get a pacey winger. Someone like Tiff on the other side would be ridiculous, mate. And a goalkeeper for definite one. I'd go for, like, in an ideal world, you'd go out and get Jamie McDonald, but he's under contract at Rafe, so, and I know McCall likes a young keeper, so I'd go for young boy Harry Stone on uh, on one from Hearts I seen him he got sent to Albion Rovers last season and Albion Rovers were struggling and he came in and they went on a great run of form and mm. one of my mates plays with Albion Rovers so I watched a lot of the highlights and he'd, he'd pull off three or four worldies a game uh, he's at 18, 19 but he's like 6 foot 4 and I, I genuinely think he'll be like Scotland's next number one not next but in the future I think he can play for the national team other than that another striker would be great but we've got three as it is. Can I see us getting another one to come in? Maybe a fourth choice, or because I don't, I don't, I can't see us getting better than Graham or Rudden at this stage. So yeah, that's about it. I can just jump in quickly. I completely forgot about the goalkeeping position. Yeah, I completely agree. Reese, we do need to bring in another keeper. Obviously, because we've only got Snedden as our first team keeper. Uh, who would I like to see us bring in? I wouldn't say no to Kieran Wright coming back. I don't think that will happen. I think if that was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Uh, a player I've always wanted is to get in, but I don't. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's still under contract to Rafe as uh, my namesake, Jamie McDonald. I've always loved watching him play as well. Loved and hated because he's always played well against us, but he's also a keeper I would have loved to have seen at Thistle. I think he's a very, very good keeper at this level. But I don't know if we'll get him in, but we definitely need another goalkeeper. I want to ask about I... the goalkeeping situation because it's a strange one at the moment. I feel as though Jamie Stein does deserve a season at number one and if, if it was down to me I would be bringing a recognised number two in so Sneddon had a real go at the number one slot obviously uh, I've heard good things about Harry Stone as well Reese. and if we were going to bring him in then great because he does sound like a great goalkeeper I, I was going to say on the on the goalkeeper and I think because me and Matt had a chat about this uh, on Monday I, I agree with Matt I think Sneddon deserves a, a year at one uh, because Sneddon's issue has always been that it's always been a 1A, 1B keeper. Uh, you know, he, um, you know, for against Fox or against Hazard or against Wright, there's always been another person sort of vying for goalkeeping time that I think that's that's been the issue with Sneddon. He's been here, what, four seasons now? And he's never had a, a, an, a run where he's been able to assert himself as a goalkeeper. Maybe you could say last season was probably his closest shot at that, but even then he got injured and right went, you know, ran riot for a while and he didn't really get that that full season. I I would I would be happy to 
hold our trust in Sneddon. I don't think we necessarily need another goalkeeper. Um, I think Sneddon should um, get the opportunity to establish himself as a goalkeeper because I feel he could be a goalkeeper for us for, for years if he gets that established run and asserts himself. But I think bringing in another keeper is going to cloud that and I, d- I don't see us keeping Sneddon if we're bringing in another keeper um, that it, where he's not get, he's not getting that run. And I, even then, like, again, we... I, I I've loved seeing Mason McCready and I think that having him as a having him as a backup, he is very young, but I think that he he could he, he could be okay as well. I don't think it's necessarily like we've got Aaron Lennox and Carrie Bell, you know, uh, him <laughs> at backup or anything. Do you know what I mean? Like I think he he would actually probably be okay. So um yeah, I, I don't think necessarily we need another goalkeeper, but you know, if it happens, it happens. The thing with Sneddon is he's only on a one year deal at the moment so if we do bring somebody in and, and as you say he stoned us in like a great goalkeeper and no harm to him if he comes in but Sneddon's going to get pissed off eventually and if he's out of contract again at the end of the season he'll, he'll be off and it'll be a shame because he did look like a well he still does look like a, a good prospect for us we saw you go I was just about to say how frustrating must it be for Jamie Sneddon because you're finally getting your chance in team and then Connor Hazard comes in who's ages with you and then he's getting his run again. And Kieran Wright comes in, similar age. And now, like, obviously linked with Harry Stone. If he comes in, Harry Stone's three years younger than Sneddon. He's like 18, 19. So that's a, that's a knock to Jamie Sneddon's confidence. And teams teams don't want you a young keeper unless you're going to give them minutes. Do you know what I mean? Jamie, you got any thoughts on the goalkeeper? Would you stick with Sneddon or would you be looking to bring somebody else in for, to be number one? I've actually, I wanted to stick with Sneddon. Even though I was saying about, you know, bringing Jamie Don and I highly rate him, I don't think that's going to happen. So I would. I want to stick with Sten. I think he definitely deserves the season. He's shown loyalty to the club. I know people always go, like, oh, like kind of, you know, roll their eyes. People say they've shown loyalty. Like, it doesn't matter. It's what they do on the pitch. But I think he's impressed on the pitch mainly. I mean, I know he's made one or two mistakes here, but what, what goalkeeper hasn't? I liked him last season in League One. I thought he looked good. Even when we were in the Championship, I thought in general, he was very good for us. Played a lot of good performances, made some fantastic saves. And I, I just want to see him get his chance. I really do think he deserves it. And I, but I've never felt McCall's rate them. I mean, even when he started the opening day last season against Clyde, McCall came out and said he wasn't meant to. It was only because Kieran Wright was on international duty. And Sneddon was our man of the match that day. And what was a pathetic performance. He was really good. So I really do think he is, you know, more than earned his chance as a number one. And as Reese said, it always seems that someone that's brought in as either, instead of Sneddon's understudy, his equal or, or the first team keeper in McCall's mind. So... I don't know. I really do hope he gets his chance. A keeper at the start of the season I wanted us to bring in was Neil Parry, even though I know he is aging, he's an older keeper, but I thought he would have been a good second choice to Sneddon. But I don't know. If we bring in someone who's equal to Sneddon, we maybe will see another season of him rotating or on the bench and maybe not getting game time. And as you said, Matt, there's only so much he can take and he might end up being off. But I do think he's a, you know, warranted his chance as our number one. Parry's an, an interesting shout. This is we're just purely speculating names here, but that's the sort of profile a goalkeeper I'd go after. I know he's part-time, but I think if you were to stick with Sneddon as a number one, I think I'd be looking to bring in an experienced an experienced guy to sort of help Sneddon and fill in as and when, but accept that Sneddon is going to get the season. A wee bit like when we had Paul Gallagher with Scott Fox, you know, Gallagher sort of helped bring Fox on a bit, and when Fox dipped, Gallagher came into the side for a few games and, and then Fox came back in. Like, I thought that was quite a a good system we had and if, if we had something like that similar to help Sneddon I think that would be good but 
obviously if we bring in a, a great goalkeeper on loan, we'll not be complaining, but it, w- it will be a shame for, for Snedden because I think he has earned it. We'll, we'll move on. We'll move on from the goalkeeping situation, and we'll just we'll look at we'll look ahead to the League Cup group. We're obviously uh, in a group with Dunfermline, St Mirren, Dumbarton, and Stenhouse Muir. Earlier, I was joined by Dunfermline fan Ben, who gave us the lowdown on Saturday's opponents. I'm now joined by Dunfermline fan Ben. Ben, thanks very much for joining us. Um, just to get started, it's been a long time since fans were allowed in to competitive football. Actually, the last game we were allowed in was against Dunfermline. Yeah. Do you want to just talk us through what's happened to Dunfermline since then? Um, I suppose it's been a bit of a topsy-turvy kind of time, obviously. The last time we played each other, it was a very different squad for us. Um Obviously, the likes of Kevin Nisbet in our squad at that point. He's going into bigger and better things, of course. Um, and we had a decent enough turnover at the end of that season. Obviously, COVID hit and there was financial troubles for every club. Um, and obviously, fans haven't been allowed in, as you said. So, it's been a topsy-turvy time. We had a bit of a um, good run of form at the start of last season. Um, ultimately, putting us to the top of the table at the end of November after a win over Hearts. And then months after that, I think it was like one away win until the very end of the season, pretty much. Um, even counting in defeats against Alwa after they'd been relegated away from home. So, like, our away record just wasn't great at all. Um, the home record was still okay, but we really did kind of falter at points and looked like dropping out of the playoffs after being in second place for a large majority of the season. Um, after, as I said, being top at the end of November. So, as I said, a bit of a topsy-turvy time ended up in the playoffs, of course, um, but ultimately fell short after being defeated by our rivals, Wraith Rovers, who deserved to go through at the end of the day. And they were probably the better team throughout the season anyway, just more consistent in their form. But in terms of us, we, we had a good squad in place. You know, we had players with potential and stuff, and you've got one of them at the moment with Kyle Turner, obviously he was the player of the month uh, in November, notably after his performance against Hearts, as I mentioned, so we had a good squad of players, um, we've had a, another wee bit of a turnover this summer and we're still looking to get in more players of course, but um, obviously a new manager at this point with Stevie Crawford stepping down, so it's all kind of a bit new for us at this point and we've still to see the team really shape up and even in terms of just squad numbers, so it'll be kind of a bit difficult to know what to expect for the team coming into this game on Saturday, but just hoping for a good performance if anything else. Yep, I'll ask you about your new manager, obviously Peter Grant's come in, who was at Alawa for the last couple of years, how's that appointment gone down? within the fan base and what do you expect him to bring to the club? I mean, I, th- I think it's still got a bit of a kind of, I, I don't know what to say, pure negativity, but it, it definitely did start off as that. Uh, it really didn't go down well with a lot of the fan base. I was relatively measured with it. I didn't really want to get too bothered about it because at the end of the day, the results will speak for themselves when he gets on the pitch. I'm sure we've all had 
managers that we didn't really back at the very start and have got to turn it around at some point. So I'm kind of hoping that Peter Grant can do that to the Dunfermline fan base and kind of show us up for our original opinion. Um, I wouldn't say it's completely changed at the moment in terms of the positivity, but just because of kind of the recruitment side of things and we've not brought in the amount of faces that people would have liked to have seen. Also in terms of the level of those players, like there's been a couple of decent enough players to add to the squad, but nothing that's really got the fans excited and stuff like that. So we're still expecting a bit from Peter Grant at this point. And then obviously the results, as I say, will hopefully uh, go on to speak for themselves because it's a big season for us. He's coming with a lot of good things in terms of what he wants to put in place at Dunfermline. He obviously wants to win the league. He's said that himself. He's come out and said it in interviews, which is refreshing because... I mean, Stevie Crawford last season, the aim was promotion, but he never openly came out and said that he wants to win the title or anything like that. Obviously, with Hearts in the league, but Kilmarnock are here this year. Yourselves are here, which I always think Partick are going to be quite a strong challenger for the places up at the top end of the league. And I I would I would hope that Peter Grant will turn it round, but there is nothing else that um, will prove that more than wins on the pitch and getting up the top end of the division. Yep, absolutely. Ben, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, on the Thistle squad. Uh, I've been looking at the squad recently. Obviously, I would have been looking for Kyle Turner being on the pitch, but I've seen that he's not been included in the last couple of squads. I don't know if that's an injury or something like that, but um, of course he'd be one that we'd be looking out for just because we know what he's about. We know what he can bring to a team and he's an exciting talent. I always wanted him to come to Dunfermline and ended up here. Um didn't quite work out, but I think Patrick have got a good player in their hands there, regardless if he plays this Saturday. I think he'll have a good impact throughout the season. Um, obviously, you've still got players like Brian Graham, who's always caused us problems. Zach Rudden is another one who's always scored against us, usually, especially when he played for Falkirk. So, there's the obvious ones there. Um, Scott Tiffany played well last season. I've seen a couple of the games last season near the end, and he was a, a good player for using, obviously, a popular one within the fans, hence why he's been brought back by Ian McCall. So, um, I, I mean, it's it's a very good squad overall. It was always going to do well in League One, um, destined to go for promotion there. And I, I do think it's, it's one of the stronger teams in this division. I don't think it's going to match up against the likes of Morton, for example. I think it's probably more in the realms of, like, hopefully us and Inverness and maybe even Kilmarnock and stuff as well, because I just think there's a good squad of players there that have got the quality to be up the top end. I, I hope you're right. And what <laughs> Dunfermline players are going to cause this all the problems? Who should we be looking out for? Well, obviously, since the departure of Kevin Nisbet, um, we've been trying to kind of replace his goals, and we've done that sort of last season with a couple of players chipping them in, the likes of Kevin O'Hara and Declan McManus. McManus has obviously moved on now to um, a team down in Wales, uh, the New Saints, so I mean, we got a decent amount of money for him, so that was good for us. But in terms of people that are going to cause problems, Dom Thomas is always a problem for any team, really, as long as he's uh, playing at his best, of course. He's jinking in and out of players and just causing a lot of problems uh, in many games in the last season as well. Um, Kevin O'Hara is a big one as well because he was the main social goals for us last season, even though in the first half of the season he didn't get as much minutes as he would have expected. Um, he then went on to still be our top scorer with 11 um, throughout the season. And of course, Peter Grant's now come back in who worked with him at Alloa, got the best in his career at Alloa. 
in terms of Kevin O'Hara's career, that was his best goal-scoring spell. And hopefully with that manager now coming to us, we can get even more out of Kev because he's already scored quite a few goals in pre-season, as well as Nikolai Todorov, the new signing. So I would say our strikers and Dom Thomas are probably the main ones to look out for because at the moment the midfield area isn't looking too great for us. We've still got quite a few numbers to add to that. And ultimately the strikers are where our talents lie. So I would say those three players. Uh, I'm just going to finish with a few quick fire questions. So just uh, short and sharp answers. Score prediction for Saturday? Oh, let's go for a 1-1 draw and I'll say them filming on penalties. Who's going to get out of the group? So that's a tough one. Um, I'll, I've got to say them filming, of course. And I don't know. I'll probably need to add St Martin there just because of the Premiership team. But Partick have definitely got a chance. Where are Dunfermline going to finish in the league this season? Peter Grant says first, I'm not going to back him. I'll say second or third. Higher or lower than Thistle? Higher. <laughs> uh, before we go, Ben, thanks very much for your time. Do you want to just uh, give yourself a wee plug? Where can we find you? Any Dunfermline fans listening, where can they find you? I, um, obviously, my YouTube channel is relatively well known within... Um, Dunfermline fan base at least uh, 1885 Ben and all my kind of social media channels are under that uh, username as well so just 1885 Ben Perfect, thanks very much for your time and all the best for the season Cheers mate Cheers Dunfermline game is first up on Saturday. It's at Firhill. Jamie, what are you expecting to see from that game? I'm expecting us to hopefully make a statement because if we play well against Dunfermline, that's kind of a statement to the rest of the league because they're a championship team. They're one you'd expect to be fighting for promotion. They'll be wanting to be in the top four themselves, as are we. So I really hope that we, you know, put a strong team as as much as we can with injury and isolation, etc., etc. But if we could put a strong team as possible and really make a statement and give a good performance. But obviously, at the end of the day, the main thing will be getting the win. Hopefully, again, as a chance to get through to the next round. It's good for the club. It's good for prize money. It's good to get a wee cup run anyway. So, yeah, it's just as long as we get a good performance and get through, that's all that really matters. Reese, Yeah, pretty much the same as what Jamie's saying. I always think, like, Dunfermline are a good, a good benchmark because they always seem to come forth. They always make the playoffs despite not being that great. And this year, I think, the look at their signs, they've signed Nikolai Todorov, they've signed Dan Pybus, and these guys who do a job for teams in the Championship. And even the appointment of Peter Grant, like, it doesn't really fill, fill me with confidence if I, if I was a Dunfermline fan. And I've seen a lot of Dunfermline fans actually complaining about their sort of lack of business and just being generally unhappy. They're not really fancying their team much. So I'd like to think we'll get a win on Saturday. and put down a marker. As for the rest of the group, is it St Mirren, Dumbarton, Stenhouse Muir, is that our group? 
I'd like to think if we can yeah. beat them firmly, then we should should hopefully qualify from the group. But even the likes of Steny, they've they've recruited really well this year. Ross Forbes, Nat Wedderburn, a lot of good experience experienced pros for League Two. And obviously young James Lyons went there. Um but yeah, we should definitely come top two if we can beat Dunfermline at the weekend. Yeah, I, th- I think nine points normally gets you out of the group. Sometimes eight if you win the, the bonus penalty point. Um, David, what are you expecting on Saturday? And do you think we'll get out of the group? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think we'll get out of the group. Um, I think Dunfermline, the Dunfermline game is key for that. Um, so we should absolutely be, you know, going all guns blazing. Um, right and saying the next two games are Stenny and Dumbarton, then St Mirren. So you kind of have the luxury where if you put everything into the Dunfermline game and beat them, you, yes, you you have a wee bit more, um, a bit easier ties before the big game against St Mirren down the line. Um, this is an extra dice roll at the fabled uh, 2021 Cup um, win. So you know we're destined to win it this time. So you know we need to get out of the groups for it. But I think McCall will be excited to finally get a game where he can impose McCall ball on another team with fans there. And I think that it is kind of, he always talks about how important it is having fans there. And I think having fans at Furhill, first game of the season against a team who are sort of on a par with ourselves, pardon the pun. Um, and <laughs> I didn't even realise I'd done that until just there, but I thought of it. Um, and um, it's a team who are sort of on the same level as us, who we, we can beat. And I think he'd been able to get his, been able to play his team and have the fans there as the final piece of the puzzle for him. And I think it's going to be very exciting. I, I think we, I think we should win it, um, and I think, uh, I think we will. But um, yeah, it's just I think it's, it's going to be great. Like watching the team against uh, against Rangers, um, as well as against like EK and Kelty as well. You see how much that sort of core of like Bannigan, Doherty, Weir, Foster how well they just they, they just enjoy playing with each other and like Graham as well not so much aware because he's not played as much but like Bannigan, Doherty, Graham, Foster again they are very focal but they, they they look like they're having fun when they're playing and they know each other so well and I think it's going to be really fun to see that play out and I think the Dunfermline game is going to be the first the, sort of the first chapter on that and I think yeah I think it'll be it'll be a great game and I, th- I hope we do really well David, can I ask you in, in 50 words or less to define McCall ball? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, you said it. I, I know. It's, it, I, we should have asked him, shouldn't we? When we interviewed him, what is McCall ball? And he would have went, what the fuck are you on about? Can you ask me about, like, Dane Keepy up to the Tonic Steel Cake Rappers instead? Um I, I don't know. Like they, they just look. They have a great relationship with each other, and they look like they they know what each other is doing before they do it. And like just some of the passes they were playing against Rangers and stuff like that. Like the first half against Rangers, we we were the better side. I would have said, and we looked really composed. Whereas before when we played Rangers, and I know it's a friendly, but before when you play Rangers, it was always kind of a bit, you know, backs to the wall let them play their game. We were playing our game against them and they just they, they all look like they, they have a wee bit of a telepathic relationship with each other. It's yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, no I, I would say I'd describe it. I'd say like not even describe it, but do you remember when McCall first came in, he just said, I want to make the Fistle fans proud of the team on the park. I want to play attacking football that the fans want to see. And since he's came in, I know it took its time, it was a really slow start, 
But at the end of last season, we were finally seeing attacking football. We were uh, thrashing teams out like Falkirk, who should have been a tough game, and we were really playing nice football. And as you said, the Rangers game, like, the Kelty and East Kilbride kind of go out the window because you can't judge that at all. And to an extent, the same with the Rangers game, but it's more of a competitive fixture and we put up a good fight and we played some good football at times. And let's be honest, we won't face better players than that all season and we've done good enough. So I'm really, I really think we could see McCall ball this season in full effect. I think McCall's managerial style is more distinctive than any sort of tactical style that he brings. I think he's all about getting the sort of right guys together and creating an atmosphere that they all feel comfortable in and getting the sort of right characters around the squad, like the, the Fosters, Bannigan, Doherty, Graham, guys that will pull other guys in the team around them through tough situations and banking on that rather than one tactical style. I think ideally he does want to play attacking football, like you've said, Reese. but I think everything's coming together in that regard with the signings he's made and the, the confidence in the team at the moment. Um, we'll move on. I know we're, we'll probably speak about this a bit closer to the league season, but Jamie, I'll start this one with you. What are your hopes for the season as a whole? Realistically, it sounds, sounds a bit naff, but enjoyment. I do really want to enjoy the season because obviously our last two seasons in the Championship have been very largely unenjoyable. There's been you know, relegation scraps, constant window rebuilds and, you know, oh, will we survive? Will we stay up? Instead, it'd be great to be up the other end. That's what every fan's wanting. Realistically, I think we can get top four. I think, personally, we're going to finish fourth right now on the balance of squads and how I've seen us play. And I wouldn't be adverse to that at all. If we finish fourth, I'd be happy with that season. If we got ourselves into the playoff and our first season back up, that's what we want. If we can get any higher than that, then absolutely. I'm hardly going to say no to it. But realistically, I think we can finish fourth and, you know, maybe a bit better at third. But fourth and third is where I expect us to realistically be aiming. And that, I think, would make most fans happy with the season. And I'd put that down as a pretty successful season if we got ourselves into the playoffs. Because that's what most teams in the Championship are trying to do. Unless maybe, uh, obviously, Kilmarnock will be the favourite to win the league. Even though I don't think they've been recruited that impressively so far. They will likely be the favourite to win the league. But if we get a good season under our belt, then if we get playoffs, you never know. There's always a chance you can flop in it. If not, the next season you can aim to win the league. Just have to wait and see. But I no reason I don't think we can do that. David, you were the pod optimist last season, but at the end of the season, you said you'd just be happy to stay up this this time round. Have you got any more optimistic about this season as the summer's gone on? Um, well, although speaking to like Kilmarnock fans and stuff, I think a few of them are quite happy with the sort of recruitment. That- they made, which is always a worry. I think we're, I think we kind of expected Kilmarnock to kind of crater when they came down and have a sort of transitional period where they just, you know, rip up the squad and then bring in stuff, you know, in a panic and bring in players that probably weren't very well suited. So, well, the dream would be winning the title, obviously. I, I would say, I, I would like us to have a title battle, Kilmarnock, a good title battle, irrespective of whether we win it or not. I think that I would like to see us in a, in a scrap with Kilmarnock, uh, who I think are going to be sort of up there. Um, I think we will make the playoffs, to be honest, and at the very least. Uh, but I, I would be happy with a comfortable eighth. <laughs> as as me and you and Matt said on the day of the Falkirk game, I'd take eight. <laughs> a comfortable eighth for us, say, for like four games to go, um, just playing out the season. But no, I, I think that... that We've all, we've all we've been talking about the squad and the comfortable how comfortable they are with each other and the tactics that we're playing and stuff like that. 
I don't think it's unreasonable to say we should be challenging for playoffs, possibly the title. Um, I don't know if that's achievable, but um, you know, I think we should at least have it as a name. Um, and you know what? Chuck in a Challenge Cup as well. I, I want to win the Challenge Cup. It's I didn't go to the game well, at Almondvale, so <laughs> we're on the we're on the England side of the draw. The Challenge Cup. We've got the uh, the alright side of the draw. Uh, um, sources claim it's coming home. <laughs> the SPFL Trust Trophy. Quite right. I think with the league, I'm I'm not going to come on here and say we're going to we're going to win the league. I think we've got a, a fair enough chance. I think it is quite an open league and I would like to see us be in a title challenge, as you say. I think this season, see as long as we are sort of in and around the promotion uh, the promotion places and playing that attacking football that, that you mentioned, Reese, I'm, I'm sure this will change and you can come in if you think I'm wrong. I think if we play attacking football this season and fans like what they see, that will be more important than the end result. And I think added into that will be the fact that people will just be so happy to be back at games that if we played attacking football and finished third and fourth and lost out in the playoffs, fans aren't going to lose their minds raging just because they'll, they'll be happy to be back in Farhill watching attacking football, if that makes sense. I'm not saying the, end of the result doesn't matter this season, not at all, but just, just so I get where I'm coming from. We, we've not yeah. played that much attacking football for what about seven years like certainly in the, in the premiership we've, we've not seen it in person <laughs> I, like, exactly so yeah I'd take uh, you know free flowing attacking football with a, with a, uh, a battle for the playoff places absolutely because I don't think we're used to that and I think it was just so lovely seeing it in the last like four weeks of the, the season when, we, when it all clicked so yeah absolutely yeah, I think I think the club is in a real good place, and if I think it's just a case of, of riding that for as long as possible this season. Reese, on you go. Yeah, in my opinion, like uh, I say it all the time, like, I think the biggest thing in football is confidence, and if we can take the confidence from last season and carry it into this campaign, there's no reason why we can't compete at the top of the table. Because I, I look at the other teams, Kilmarnock, they should probably be the favourites, but they've tore their whole squad apart. I think they've brought in 15, 14 new players or something. And a lot of the signings I've not really been too impressed with. Like One of their best signings probably been Fraser Murray, the guy who was on loan at Dunfermline last season, who decent young player, but he's not great. If, I, if, I've, if there's, a lot of their signings had signed for us, I wouldn't be over the moon with them. Um, as for Hamilton, not not concerned about Hamilton at all. I think I looked at their squad towards the end of last season, it was really poor. Like a, a lot of just young boys thrown in. I know, I know that's their style to bring from the academy. But I wouldn't be concerned. I think they signed left back Kieran McDonald from Rafe. I, I actually really like that player. He's a good player. And Andy Ryan from Erdry, who was at Hamilton before. So I don't think that's they're going to be any great shakes as it stands. So I think I think we could maybe come top two, us, us and Kelly, because who knows? Kelly, Kelly could capitulate the way we did when we came down and tore our squad. But it's, I, I think they'll be a bit out of Ross County and look to bounce back straight away. But I don't think you can come and say. You take eighth. No way. I think we've got to be up the top challenging. I, I wouldn't take eighth. I'm retracting that. I, I must have been pissed when I said that, David. <laughs> oh, yeah, you I definitely think, like, were. I think, um, other teams, like, I think, honestly, Kamarnock will win the league, even though I've not been overly impressed with their squads and their signings. Like, players like Blair Alston coming in who didn't really make an impact for Falkirk in League One. Just signings like that haven't overly impressed me, but I think they will win the league. I think they'll probably have enough about them. Like Reese said, they were Ross County, bound straight back up. But Hamilton, I, I said this last season as well, but Hamilton, 
I could be proven wrong, but I think they're going to have a really bad season. They're going to be doing pretty similar to what we did in 2018-19 and be down there fighting relegation and set up the other end. They've got a very small squad right now, which, again, during COVID is not a good thing. You could have isolation, lose some players out. Injuries can screw your squad over. I know they can end up making a big late surge of signings. That doesn't always work. You know, signing all of a sudden five players on loaner. I don't, what what is the loan numbers this season? Is it is it still six or is it back to four? I'm not too sure to be honest. We can we can find out and edit it in so we sound smart. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I was going I was going to say with that like um, I obviously like we say we take it take eight for we mentioned the Valentine's episode uh, about how like the last ten years it's literally just been always a battle for a title or a battle to avoid relegation and pretty much nothing in between. It's always been something to fight for, and like I I, I do like that. So yeah, I, like as much as I'd like I'd like to say I'll, I'll take it if you gave me it now, but we should absolutely be going for it and yeah absolutely it's great having something to fight for but hope preferably not a relegation battle so yeah no I, that's I, ju- that's just the thing that's the thing with a 10 team league like the championship is notoriously hard to call and you can't really have a nothing season with you can maybe have that with two games to go but until near enough the last couple of weeks of the season you're either going for playoffs or try to stay with the relegation playoffs I, th- I think you made a great point about confidence, Reese. because if you look at uh, teams that have come out of League One into the Championship in recent years, they've done really well with the momentum. You look at Wraith made the playoffs, um, Ian McCall's air made the playoffs, Livingston went up through the playoffs, so teams that don't have the same resources as us either, so I don't think there's, there's massive pressure on the team, just because there is such a, a good a good feeling about the club at the moment and fans will just be so happy to get back. I don't think there's a massive pressure on the team to, to win the league or get promoted, but I, th- I think it's fair to, to to hope and expect that they will be up there. Earlier in the week, David was joined by Mark Wallace and they looked back on the conclusion to the women's season. And welcome to our roundup of the final four games of the Thistle women's season. Um, it was a climactic um, race for promotion uh, between us and the Ackies and Dundee United. I'm joined again by Mark Wallace um, to go through the last four games. Um, Mark, how are you doing? You all right? Yeah, pretty good, David. Pretty good. Uh, so we'll start with the game against uh, Sterling Uni. It was a 6 0. Uh, victory uh, for Thistle over Stirling Uni and a, a really dominant display it really shows the disparity between the top half of the uh, second division and the bottom half whereby you know we, we, we've, we're capable of giving teams doings and they do take doings a bit there is, there is a gulf in the middle of the table that kind of needs to come a bit closer I think in terms of uh, the quality of the league yeah, like the game. Like the thing is, that Sterling actually started 
no bad. They got a corner early on, and you're like, you're always worrying. Like if you're gonna, if you concede, especially when you're playing against a team who are struggling, you worry if you lose the if you maybe lose an early goal, and it can be really hard to get back into the game. But and we got in front from a, a set piece, but there'll be a lot of that talking about that throughout this uh, sort of roundup. Uh, really good from set plays again. Um, great corner after uh, being very unlucky not to score from the move itself, which was, was a great wee through ball. It's cut back across and the keeper done well to save it, but we, we scored straight away from that corner. And uh, we had another very similar corner routine uh, not long after. It could have been two. And it was, again, something like you mentioned, as you mentioned, there is a real gulf in the table. And like it showed the way we were uh, reacting fastest to them not being very good with the ball. And that led to the second goal. And uh, again, some really good play for the third um, and the fourth. But the the fifth goal for me was the pick. An absolutely sensational strike from distance. How well we... I was very... Impressed with how because the fifth and sixth goals for me showed that we are kind of playing with a bit of fun. We were just yeah, taking we chances because yeah, there, there is a there is real confidence there, and uh, how well we how well we pressed the keeper. Obviously, the Sterling keeper had a howler for the sixth goal, but like I totally agree with the the comments that Richard Foster made after the game because when you're competing against the side at the bottom of the league, where you're expected to score a few goals and we probably could have had double figures. Um, it's all about um, having control of the game, having control in what you're doing. It's vitally important because if you don't, if you lose the run of it and you're maybe a wee bit slack, they can they can get you with something on the break or they can or they can make it heavy weather for you, and make it difficult. But I thought there was tremendous control throughout from the girls. We were they were. They were terrific. Like Sterling didn't really stand a chance. Like, opposition at that level who are struggling at the bottom, you're expected to beat them heavily, and we did. So it was good to set up for certainly very good confidence going into the, the what was the most important game, uh, which was the trip to Aberdeen. Well, you mentioned uh, heavy weather. Um, my word, the the conditions for this game were atrocious. Yeah, it was, like, it was very. Um, very wet, October, very windy. Very October, November weather in fucking June. Like, I think we we always cite our growth in January being the, the worst weather we, we've been to see Thistle. And I would argue that at least at our growth it wasn't raining. Whereas yeah, like, here... You get the it, weather, you get the wind and the rain. And it, it just... The poor conditions made for a very tense game. Because obviously Aberdeen... They'd been post. defeated by Akis the week. Uh, the, They'd the been defeated week by Akis the week before, but they were on the verge of getting everything wrapped up, and they were clearly the best team in the league. We took there were chances. We, we were creating chances, and when you're in a, a game like that against a team of that quality, you need to be taking those chances. Uh, we didn't take those chances. Um, there was a moment um, in the first half where Anna Vincente and Thistle go. Um, she had a kick out, it got hit, it, I don't know if it was the wind or it was, it was just a poor kick out and uh, Aberdeen countered on it and very nearly took the lead. Um, for me, 
I didn't have any complaints about the red card. It's one of those, like, I don't think the camera angle helped because it's, like, flat and on the side, like, on the side of the pitch. It couldn't really, um, I couldn't really tell, but it was, it looked pretty much a clear-cut red card for me. And again, as I alluded to earlier, when you when you're presented with opportunities like that in games of importance, you need to be taking those chances. We didn't do that, and as and we were punished, getting caught again. Aberdeen, like the Aberdeen strike, the Aberdeen striker was she was up front on her own. She was the best player in the park. Brian Graham thought she was the best player in the park, and she was. She ran as she was constantly getting in behind, even with the the player advantage. And then she put it through Anna's legs for the first goal. And then the second goal was um, what happened in the first half. The keeper tries to kick it out. It gets chased down. She gets rounded. It's in the back of the net. It's criminal defending. It's When you're competing for promotion or for titles, if you're going to be trying to win things, you need to uh, have... Like you need to be on in these games. Like Aberdeen are clearly a very good side, clearly the best team in the league. They won the league. That's very much there, right? But if we were looking to get that second spot, we should have been so much sharper. I mean, we beat them the last time. We beat them in the reverse fixture. Yeah, we did. Game. We beat them as six one or something. We beat them. It's a five one six one. Yeah, five one six one. So like. To lose two soft goals like that with a, like they've had a woman sent off, so we've got an advantage. We've got more players in the park. We should be, we should be taking confidence from that and asserting ourselves on the game, pushing them back, putting pressure on them, and we did not do that. Instead, we allowed the Aberdeen uh, lone striker to uh, assert herself on our defence, which is notoriously weak uh, at times. We are a bit brittle at the back. I've seen several times in covering the women's team, like at the back, were at times very, very brittle. We can be got at, and you were made to pay big time. And then obviously that defeat, coupled with the other results, really put us on the back foot. I, I would argue that this was probably the game that that killed yeah. it for us. I know we were still in contention and obviously results are, are, are places yeah. as, as soon as it becomes what we do and then you've got a problem because yeah. they're not only thinking, yeah, like, you obviously have to focus on the task at hand but you're also wanting to find out what's going to happen in the other game and that's going to take your focus away entirely on what you need to do. Definitely, and you can you can see that in the last game, which we'll come to in a bit. But um, no, I I think it was like it it was a weird game because we like the weather made it such a dice roll that like anything could yeah. happen, and then having something like that, like if it if the first goal one nil, you know we were still in it and we could have done something. When it went to two 0 you knew that that was it, yeah. and then they were done. And then um, I thought it was criminal to. Uh, go 2-0 down uh, especially when you're playing against the team again with 10 players and as well as Aberdeen were 
Aberdeen were vulnerable. They'd been beaten by Aki's the last time. The gap was closing. A, a loss for them would have brought them right back into the mix and that they might not yeah. have won the title. Instead, so, instead, they got it over the line. Yeah. Uh, and uh, moving on to the game against Queen's Park, um, the, the, the decision to drop Anna Vincente from the side, um, what, what was your, what's your opinion on that? I mean, it's... It's it, it's difficult because yeah, like um, obviously, like you, you don't want to overtly punish someone for an error oh, like yes. they did on on you know against Aberdeen, and obviously, like Anna Vincente, I don't believe Anna Vincente had a club before us. I think she had kind of got out the game for a while right, and then came back into us. It was seen as a bit of a coup, but it was purely yeah. just because she wasn't in it. And I think maybe this the, the intensity of having so many games in a row. And as well as that, yeah, it's hard. Sort of, it's going to be hard. You're playing. Yeah. We've got a lot. There's a lot of games in a lot of space of time. Because, like, I think uh, Brian Graham made the point after. I think, it, yeah, after after this game, he said we basically played three pre seasons to finish one season because of how stop and start everything's been amidst the pandemic and everything else, and having to play all the games in such a short space of time. Uh, so, yeah, it could well be. I don't think. Performances haven't been great, but like I wouldn't say it's entirely down to um, ability or performances as such. Um, lovely goal. I think as well, there, there is that sort of logic of going, there is this gulf between the teams whereby you could afford to put a second keeper out there and probably not get punished as much. Although we say that, the other game that happened in this day, along with the Queen's Park game, was Hamilton drawing with Buttermere Thistle, who are sort of in that sort of gulf. And um, so it shows that you are still susceptible, where you can drop yeah, those teams, we, so it's not we, a given. Yeah, um, we the game uh, against Buttermere, and, and Buttermere game was a game that was... Well, we, we won it, I think it was 3-0, was 3-1? Three, three three yeah. It, it, was, it, it was not a... a from my recollection, it was not a. Uh, you can see a, a game that finishes three 0 and you can think, oh yeah, that's fairly comfortable. But it was certainly close run. Buttermere put us under pressure, um, and of course they obviously got that draw with Hackies. But moving into the uh, the, the, the opening goal for Queens Park, a really lovely, lovely strike. We've been we've been spoiled by these uh, in recent in recent times with the women's team. Uh, they do love us a really brilliant long range strike here. They 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 are absolute bastards for a long range strike because we've seen so many of them and like it, it just goes to show that they've kinda of cracked the code of these sort of teams whereby when there is a, def- a brittle defence or whatever, or the keepers maybe, you know, not got the positioning of maybe say someone in the premiership or championship or even like, you know, for some of our Glasgow City or whatever. Uh, where if their position is just a wee bit ski with where they just they they feel like they've they got should. a chance and like, they go for it. Yeah, I've seen, like, you've seen it. Like, I, I I remember like not to compare it too much to men's football, but I remember uh, we played Hamilton Ackies in the Premiership in 2014, and uh, Tony Andrew scored a goal from like 30 yards. Like he caught um, he caught Scott Fox out. We were we came from two 0 down to lead three two. And um, Hamilton scored with like it was just a pot shot right at the end. These things can happen. Like, but, but this was a genuinely really lovely goal. Uh, yeah. There was a re- the second goal was good. Is the second goal was really good too. 
it was brilliant move from one side to the other. But I did think I don't know about you. I thought the ball had actually gone out on the on the touch on the touchline. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I thought it, yeah. I thought it had gone out. The referee doesn't see that. It's a lovely move and a good goal. A wee bit of luck there, if you want to call it that. After talking about obviously the goalkeeping, our goalkeeping for the set for the Aberdeen goal. Uh, the second one, uh, was a similar sort of thing. The keeper tries to kick it out, it gets chased down and we're in and we make it three. Uh, there's been a lot of really neat passing and moving goals we've been scoring and certainly that was the case for fo- uh, the fourth. But I thought there were... I counted four chances uh, that we should have been taken before we eventually did make it 5-0. Yeah, there was quite a few of chances that we could have. They hit the bar as well in the in the first half. So like this, genuinely, like it was like we beat them five 0 but we genuinely could have beat them eleven or twelve. Yeah, so, like, and it's, was, it's clear we're we're creating chances, we're doing a lot of attacking. We need to work, maybe work a wee bit more on the defence, but unfortunately, uh, we didn't. Uh, we weren't able to get promotion. We drew with Dundee United in the final day with a late goal. And um, with this one, I mean, you mentioned it previously about you know it not being in your hands and relying on other results. From what I can see here, from what Brian Graham said, they didn't know what was going on. They they intentionally didn't get told the results. At halftime, they had no yeah, idea. We've just got to focus on like exactly. And you could see it in the second. So like we scored from two corners, and it was so Dundee United one up, and then we scored off a corner, make it one each. They scored quite late on to make it two one. And then we score for corner, make it 2-2. And you can see them ripping the ball at the net and running back up and putting it in the centre spot to yeah. get going because they think, well, we need to win because if we if we don't win, we don't get promoted to they were going for it, despite the fact that if you have you know an internet connection or whatever, if you're on Twitter, you can see that Hamilton have been promoted for about half an hour. And, yeah, yeah. Um, right. yeah, but they were still going for it. And you have to credit them uh, for having that because it's a very weird atmosphere whereby, like, in yeah, a game things like that... Are, things are still... Like back in the olden days, uh, at the moment, and I don't mean that in a sort of bad way. Like it's still, there's not the ch- channels for. No, I, I would I would agree with that. From doing this, like I mean, one of the reasons that we've done, you know, it's been me and you is that there isn't that sort of scope of. You know, we would have we would have got pundits and stuff. Well, we had um, Campbell from leading the line and stuff like that. But obviously, they're doing their own thing. They have their own podcast. You don't want to kind of poach too much of that, but outside of that there wasn't too, there isn't that sort of infrastructure of knowledgeable think, people. It will, it will get better. Yeah, it definitely I do is. Think, I just think it will get better. Um, but yeah, like, just a, a few thoughts of more on like, I think just to just miss out on promotion, uh, given the relative, well, the relative inexperience of the management team, when you consider like people will make jokes about women's football and whatnot. And like we've took three of our senior players who are wanting to get into coaching and put them in charge of the women's team. They've never coached before, never even coached women before. And they've gone very, very close to getting promoted. Um after I think we're I think we're just up. I think we're, well yeah, this is what I was gonna mention. We've had um I think two consecutive promotions and last season we had a 100% record. We didn't lose a game. I don't even think we drew a game. We won every game. We absolutely ran right in the division. And we'd done it the year before as well. I think we won 18-0 two years ago. 
like that that was the sort of level of dominance yeah, that we had right. over that level. And we've hit our we've hit our level whereby it wasn't going to be another cakewalk oh, no, for the Tana teams eighteen no, 0 And I mean, you look at the sides who've got promoted, their teams with frameworks in place, like Hamilton Aki's it's very it's very well known how community driven they are. Uh, how they're geared towards um, kids' football, women's football, generally being a, a presence in the community, something that we are working towards at the moment. But it's been a bit stop and start for reasons that are well known with the whole fan ownership thing, Colin Weir's unfortunate or unt- untimely rather passing in the middle of uh, getting everything sorted. So like, everything that could, that's in a particular place is... We are still a wee bit behind, and like you look at Aberdeen, who've now got that they've got that new training ground where the women's team play a team with a big club, big men's club with ambition, putting money behind their women's team. Like we saw last season, we were unlucky to lose out to Hearts, another big men's club, putting their financial weight behind uh, their women's team, and like while. We can do that to an extent. It's still a long. It's still a fairly long process uh, to come. I think our time definitely will come. We I think we will eventually make it to uh, SWPL one. I think that us and Dundee United have to be the favourites next season. I, I would like, agree with that. Well, when you look at it, because it's it it's it was at Aberdeen, Hamilton, us, Dundee United, and St Johnson were sort of the top half, and then you had the gulf of the three teams underneath. You're getting another two teams coming in from below, which I don't think are necessarily going to be as strong. You, you have to, and, and there's no relegation down either, so you have to think that we, we would be favourites along with Dundee United, and I think yeah, that that's going to be a really like, exciting scrap. Dundee United, Dundee United are, again, another club who, like, I, I get friends who work at the sort of Dundee United community trust, and I actually know someone who used to play for and the United ladies, and like they are very much, they are all in on it. Like they, they have a pathway, they have infrastructure in place, and we are still in the middle of getting that done. It's going to take time, for sure. But I think it will be worth. I, th- I think as well, it will be worth the, it. The acquisition of Peter Sell by the Community Trust is going to be a big, big help for us in terms of training yes, well, and things like that. It's a, it's a nice facility. It's in a accessible part of the city. Um, I think playing there is much better than playing at Lockburn. As well. I think as well, I think, I think the thing for me with Lockburn as well is, I mean, like, for example, Mary Hill were meant to play a friendly yesterday and um, they had to abandon it due to the pitch being a state because of the rain. And that has been a routine thing for Mary Hill, whereby, I mean, BSC yeah, used to play there, for example. Yeah, is quite bad. Yeah, it's like a bowl sort of thing, so like it yeah. all seeps into the pitch, and it's yeah. But BSE Glasgow were meant to play there, and it, just because of the waterlogging, they were told no, don't, we, we don't want to play there, and then they had to move out. So it, it is a thing. So I, I don't think we can uh, rely on Lockburn, and I, I, I love the the sort of symmetry, I love the sort of locality of of it being in Mary Hill, but I think as well when you yeah. get if you get I to like December that. January, it's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, you you want to be play because you want as little disruption as possible, and being able to train and play on the same pitch will be a huge benefit for the girls uh, going forward. Something like that will be tremendously important because if you look at 
Aki's AstroTurf pitch at New Douglas Park. Aberdeen, they've got the, the Astro at Cormac Park. St Johnston have the Astro at McDermott Park. They have surfaces where they, where they can play and train. We don't have that at the moment. We, we will eventually. Um, although not necessarily at the ground, but like near enough to it where it's not going to be an issue. I think that more than anything, when you've got that in place, then you can start attracting, you can start talking to players. Because you've got to remember, Glasgow City played at Peter's Hill before we bought it. And yes. that, that's going to be a big, that's a, that's a, that's a big, that's a, that's a good facility. We, like That can turn players' heads. I'm hardly, I'm not expecting this to be pilfering players right, left and centre from clubs in SWPL1 or anything like that, but it's a big attraction for footballers uh, to come and play for us because we're going to have that investment coming forward. We're going to have the facilities in place. It's, it'll be definitely worth persevering with, for sure. A lot to look forward to, I would say, with these girls, because like, I've, I've been great enjoying watching these games and the way we play. We, I think we play really good football. We knock the ball about really well. You can clearly see the influence the, man- the, the, man- the management team's uh, playing style has on has on the girls. Like you can see the intellect that Foster has and the defensive organisation as we try to get better. You can see the way we knock the ball about really tidily, like Dockery and how we're um, absolutely ruthless in the in the penalty area, attacking wise, like like Brian Graham. You can see their imprint on the team on these girls going forward. It can only be a good thing to have these these guys learning. Uh, what to do, and, and I'm pretty sure, like you listen to the comments that the players and the management have made uh, after these games, and you can see there's a real burning enthusiasm. You can see how much it means to Brian Graham when he's the standards he wants to set for him, for himself as a coach, and for the girls as their manager. There's seriously good things to look forward to with this club for sure. Definitely, and um, hopefully we can turn this into a sort of recurring thing uh, when the new season starts. It's not too far away in the new season. Um, Actually, get to a game. Maybe yes, exactly. But um, I think we'll leave it uh, for uh, there for now. Um, And thanks again for listening. So to wrap up this week, we're going to do our, our partridge thistle section. So in in honour of the little car at the Euros, I'm going to ask you all if you could pick anything to bring the ball onto the pitch on Saturday at Firhill, what would you choose? You can choose a car, you can choose a mode of transport, you can choose anything you like. David, uh, I'll come to you first on that one. I mean, there's a, there's a whole myriad of ways you could go with this. Uh, immediately, I'm thinking Aladdin Magic Carpet. 
um, if such technology existed. But um, I'd, I'd probably go with, if we're sticking with a car, I'd probably go the car from Knight Rider um, with the wee, the wee light. I think that, that would be great. It's, it's the go-to. If you ever need a, a cool car, car from Knight Rider, that would be mine. Jamie? Uh, for sticking with cars, get something classy. Get an Aston Martin just to coast onto the pitch, drop the ball off, drive away. Or oh, get it, you know, Ian McCall could whip out of his hat. He's always always has a hat on. Ball could be hidden inside his beanie. All we know, he just takes his hat off. There's the ball. That's that's the way I want it to be done. That would be incredible, to be fair. That that would that's far better than Knight Rider on Aladdin Magic Carpet, just McCall pulling it out of his bonnet. <laughs> Reese. Um, I was trying to think of something fissile related to try to throw throw sympathetic fissile on it, but I'm struggling. Probably just uh Maybe like a wee, you know how the wee domino effect things where like you start off with a wee pinball and it works its way around and it, the ball would end up landing right in the centre circle. Something like that would be cool. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> Look at the volunteers in all week setting up for a <laughs> And the curfews and spoons and stuff. Players jumping around it, jumping around it in the warm-up. <laughs> Aye. I, I, think the, I think the added bonus of a, of a car is that you can, like if there's any players that are like injury-prone, and the other team, you can just get in Ian Bateman to run the car, and you just run it into their legs or whatever. And <laughs> Chris Erskine, we we squiddy money, bring that in the centre circle. <laughs> I think the pro- the problem with cars, obviously, we're we're trying to be environmentally friendly. I I would like to see an an animal. I think see the the clubs that have like eagles and stuff flying about, like Benfica. We've got that mad eagle flying about the stadium. I, no, right. I'm not saying strap a a ball to an eagle, but like an animal that is is trained and obviously well fed and has a happy life. Like we're not like pure keeping something captive in the bing for a week, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like a, a new animal every week is like who's capable of like, a performing dog or something doing keepy ups with its nose onto the onto the pitch, and obviously we would. We would reimburse the dog and make sure it was well looked after. Like a like, big dog. Imagine like a Jack Russell doing keepy ups with his nose. Aye, well. Squash with the ball. No, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not advocating a Jack Russell coming on the. Just a dog that, that could do it. Maybe balance on its head so it's not hurting itself. You, you could do it like, you know how you have like Wayne's and the mascots for the day? Yeah. But people could like take their dogs, so like in goal like could that. like take the ball. I think that'd be good. I, I do like the idea of like you know how when you go to weddings and if it's a fancy wedding they'll have like an I, I once went to one and it was somebody who really liked Harry Potter and they had an owl bringing the <laughs> ring into them. And I think something like that would be quite good, like an owl bringing in a bone like a like like in some sort of device it can hold on to. Um I think that I think that would be good. Um I would say as well, we also uh you, we also have to commemorate Lego Dave and say some form of train at some point yeah. would be great. Absolutely. Actually, if Lego Dave could unmask and then doesn't have a head, it's just a ball, and then he takes it off, puts it down in the centre circle, puts his mask back on, walks off. That's that's the one I'm advocating for now. Some now you see me shit. <laughs> You've thought about this. <laughs> yeah, there we go. And I, I still I still want the Ian McCall one. He just works out of his bonnet. There's the ball. That, that's the one I'm sticking with. Yep, I like Ian McCall. As you may have seen on our Twitter, we've got another giveaway this week. We're opening up our Partridge Thistle question. And Craig Walker has kindly donated a copy of his Forever and Ever, the story of our Fightback DVD, which has been signed by manager Ian McCall. To win this, head to our Twitter, retweet the tweet of the competition, 
follow us on Twitter and let us know how you would like to see the ball delivered to the centre circle on Saturday and the best slash funniest answer will win that DVD. Good luck. Um, we'll leave it there for this week. Um, this will see a return of weekly episodes, so we'll be back next week to look back on, hopefully, uh, an opening Betfred. Not even the Betfred anymore, is it? It's... I don't even know what it is. Premier Sports. That's the league. The league yeah, is since the league, yeah. yeah. I mean, anyway, the, the SPFL Trust Trophy, that is disgusting, by the way. It's always <laughs> going to be known as the Ramses Cup. Yeah, the Rams and Iron Brew Wafer Cup. I think, I think it's like whenever your team had the most success, that's what you know it as. So we got yeah. to the Rams and Cup final. Rangers fans always call it the Petrofact. Do you know what I mean? A Petrofact is a shocking name. I, I still refer to the league as the Coca Cola Cup because I'm actually an old man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the, the Tenant Pet- Scottish Cup. Petrofact sounds like I don't know, like an illness or something. Petrofact. <laughs> Petrofact vaccine. Yeah, yeah exactly. Petrofact 19. Like, it, just sounds like, it just sounds like some weird virus. Anyway, we'll, we'll be back next week when we will have worked out who sponsors the League Cup. Uh, hopefully looking back on an opening three points for Thistle and looking ahead to the next couple of games. As always, thank you for joining us. You can find us on Twitter at Draw and on Facebook. And you can listen on iTunes, Spotify and SoundCloud. Stay safe and buy a season ticket.